apparently uh, now it's kind of getting to a like a like a Beatlesque thing. Uh, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry are burying things in their songs that are like uh, that are part of their little uh, rhubarb against each other. Oh, right, the Twitter feud. Yeah, well, something about uh, there might have been a left shark that just made a, made an appearance in a in Taylor Swift video. Oh, like oh, in really? reference to Katy Perry's right. Super Bowl Sorry, appearance. I'm stuck on yeah. you using rhubarb in that context. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. It's, it's like a sour fruit, Ryan. <laughs> I know what sour rhubarb fruit. is. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> as, as it relates to like a beef between two parties. Yeah, no, in this case, <laughs> Shay, I just accepted Shay it. Along. I just accepted it's it in context. Uh, no, I mean, I got it. Like, I guess how you intended it. Well, like, okay, so uh, maybe a Chinese a star. Maybe like. <laughs> okay. You know, as long as we're, it's a, a metaphor. Star? Just a meta, just a metaphor for for two people that may not get along, and we don't know what that fruit tastes like. So, okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so now apparently, apparently there is there is uh, the possibility. That's, that's here's the. This is like a non. This is you know we talked at one point in this show about how the Today Show did a segment about a guy that could draw a perfect circle. Like this is that level news. Like. But it's everywhere. Everywhere. It's everywhere. That's what makes me crazy. Yeah. And, and it's on, you know, like I have the, the political sites that I peruse, like, upon waking. Um, and, yeah, like, there were, like, four or five, like, entries about the Nicki Minaj, Taylor Swift, like, like Taylor Swift, the media has finally fallen out of love with her. I don't give a shit. You're supposed to be a reputable fucking news organization. Like, why are, or, or, why are we discussing well, this? Well, you know, they work, they work for money, right? It's a news cycle. True. Business, yeah. but True. But no, but I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, most of these things that I read, like, typically just traffic in politics. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But, yeah, shit shows up. and uh, Maybe that's maybe that's the dessert yeah. for your political meal or whatever. Maybe so. Uh, political breakfast. It, yes. Well, I, I, I think that. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a jello shot dessert. It's not. Fine port. No, and you get nothing out of it. You get yeah. nothing. Well, I uh, think that the the, the uh, a lot of the uproar, a lot of you know, the, with the you know the Nicki Minaj thing that she tweeted back against. I think that some came from like a oh, white white privilege. Thing. We never talked about that business with her. This was it. Was it Nicki Minaj that like licked a donut? No, 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 no. That was Who Ariana was Grande. Oh, see, that's what it was. Hey guys, I'm gonna go take a nap. Okay, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Gonna yeah. Finish. yeah let, let's 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 uh, before we like spiral into a death spiral, uh, let's play some music. I'm Shane. Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. Somebody likes it. Long-time listeners will remember last episode. Well, shit, you don't have to be a long-time listener. It could, could have been be the first. A, like a, yeah, last week. Listener. Yeah, we did mention this. But uh, Mark, producer Mark, was missing last week. But we didn't talk about why. He wasn't missing in like a legal sense. Like, no, no. He found he, me. It, it wasn't like a, yeah, like a on the lamb kind of thing. Missing from the, from the recording of this program. Um, yeah. Wait, I just said that like Barack Obama. Missing from the recording. From, from this Program. I prefer to think of him as <laughs> GPS challenged. <laughs> well, Mark's <laughs> the PC way to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, where? Tell us exactly what you were doing last week because it sounds pretty interesting and exactly what, of course, everybody yeah, I think would Kevin think. Kevin told me what it was, and like 
And yeah, I mean, it, it is that thing, but go ahead. Well, and I explained it in as much as I knew, which is to say probably poorly. So you should tell everybody what you're doing. All right. Well, the very basic part of it is that I was in Nolens last week. Is that in, in that, and you can say it like a local now because parlance. Well, well I, New I, Orleans. My, yes. my family is from the area, so uh, that, that, that gives me a little Pugion. bit of, mm-hmm. yeah, gives me a little bit of. Uh, He's got some street cred. Um, but the reason I was there is uh, my wife is a teacher, and she's been running camps this summer, uh, teaching uh, primarily. She's been teaching girls, uh, young girls, to to learn how to code, and about robotics and things like that. So uh, she arranged to do a camp in New Orleans, and that's where we were there. So she was but, teaching kids. So I was right. A bunch like, of little kids making robots. Robots. robots I, 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 I said robots in Cajun yeah. country. I said Mark and his wife are in New Orleans for robotics camps. And yeah. they and they were like they both looked at me like, what's the like a dog being shown a card trick? The old Bill Hicks line. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, your wife is going to be directly involved whenever these children grow up and and build our robot overlords. Yes. That's, that's right. Yeah. She yeah. is prepping them for. So good. That, well, know. good. That's good. All right. I've been waiting for that. Maybe we'll finally get like a real life Terminator. But um, finally, I I I, I finally found something that is uh, hotter and less comfortable than this garage. Than sitting in this garage? Yes. New Orleans New Orleans was... New Orleans in July? It was buckets of sweat. Well, and you kind of... This is a terrible joke to make, but I mean, you kind of get the impression that at least sometimes with some hurricanes, they might be going, finally, some rain. Like... Oh, it rained. Yeah. It rained. It's just just that the rain seems to hit the ground and then just kind of come up and hover about 10 feet. Yeah. yeah, it just it just sits there. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, at, at at times we were definitely wading through. Well, I think that city humidity. is technically below sea level. It is. Yeah, it is. Fun, fun town, quite humid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it was enjoyable. Had a great time. Uh, I spent most of the time uh, doing kind of the Mister Mom bit with my my youngest son. Um, but uh, I'm also glad to be back. And uh, you know. Did you, did you take him to uh, Bourbon Street? Because I'm pretty sure they don't have a drinking I age. actually did take him down Bourbon Street, yep. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I dro- just took him, I, took him over to Paddo's. And I like drove him down Bourbon Street, and I said, this is where all the girls get their boobies out. And he yeah. kind of looked at me and said, oh, You I know, this is true. The worst, and I, fortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, I've not seen, I've not, I've not been to strip clubs particularly often compared to people who frequent them. But I have been to, I have been to a couple in my younger days in New Orleans, and by far, the worst strip club scene I have ever seen in my life happened in New Orleans. Where the short version is: girl comes out, does the dance, puts a robe on, and then goes around and solicits tips. Like, if you don't, if there's not enough money in it, this could all happen again. Is that like so? Kicking ass and taking names? Kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. She didn't ask for anybody's names. She just asked for money. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of the give and take of. That's the currency of, of the currency strip, of the strip club. The strip it's club. literally currency, yeah. as it turns out. All um, right. What, uh, Kevin? Well, Ke- yeah, Kevin, you picked this week's record. Yeah, so um, I wanted to pick something uh, light and bouncy. And uh, to that end, uh, no, actually. You failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, um, several weeks ago, uh, God, maybe it was a couple months ago, when this record came out, uh, producer Mark mentioned to me, he was like, 
you got to pick the new Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds record. He's like, he, I, he had an opinion on it right away. I won't share that straight away until we can dive into this. That is and the I way know. to say it when discussing uh, Noel Gallagher's straight away, not right away. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm channeling my, take the channeling my, my erstwhile Brit. Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah. So um, I'm familiar with the record that he put out in 2011. I actually enjoy it. Uh, looks like it kind of got a mixed bag. Of, like I'd never dug up the reviews on it until I started looking into this thing. It kind of got a, a little bit of a mixed bag. We'll talk about all that stuff. But, yeah, today we're going to be talking about Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds Chasing Yesterday, which... I don't know if there could be a more perfect apt, album title. Apt title. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That so, is pretty on the nose. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this has never been a man who has uh, been accused of being coy with his influences. Subtle, or or yeah. forward-looking with his songwriting. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah Certainly not, not now. Not yeah. a lot of subtlety. So anyway, um, but I do think that there will be lots of fun stuff to unpack here. I know that... I was actually, to be honest, like I was a little reluctant to dive into this record because I was pleasantly surprised by the last one in certain respects, and I thought there's no way, like it just, I, I kind of felt like there's a lot of ego at play here, and I don't know if this guy's just sort of running out the string on some sort of like album requirement for the, for the label, but it's Sour Mash, and I guess that's his imprint. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he so, finished yeah. up his creation deal with Oasis and then bailed. Yeah, and um, now it has you know enough pull that he just puts out. His well, own. he oh. has enough fucking money to to put well, out whatever he wants on his own vanity label. To that yeah. end, uh, I will note that he actually has come up with a figure that it would take to reunite Oasis, like a monetary figure. So it's kind of refreshing. The Smiths yeah. don't do that. Yeah, no, of course they don't. You guys want to guess? Uh, for them to reunite, like for, for a show or for a record. Well, I assume to go on tour, but like to yeah, go on for them tour? for them to reunite, oh, to go on tour, this would be this, this would be the monetary amount that it would take dollars, to get the band euros, back. It pounds. was more than fifteen dollars. Assume right? assume dollars, but euros would be close one way or the other. So I don't know, a like, hundred million dollars. Okay, Shane. Yeah, probably um, for a tour. Yeah, let's Se- let's assume. Uh, yeah, like seventy-five, eighty million. Okay, Marco. God, see, uh, knowing how much he would. Just despise doing that. Yeah, I would think that it's got to be at least five hundred million. Five hundred million dollars. Wow, <laughs> Mark he wins the like, prize. Yeah, he was like, "Come on down." <laughs> it, well, yeah. yeah, and so and so the guy asked, like the interviewer asked, he was like, "How much would it take to like just because people are going to ask, like how much would it take?" And he was like, "For five hundred million dollars, I would say let me go find the other guys and tell us where we need to be." <clears throat> we probably should talk about this record. Yeah. So. Um, this just came out in March, actually, of 2015. Yes. Um, so just a few months ago. I was somewhat reluctant to unpack this record because I, there were a few things on the last one that I thought really showed promise and, and some other things that, that I also enjoyed. And, um, and I find that uh, expectations with regard to this guy's career are either too high or too low. It's like... I think that that kind of comes depending on what side of the pond you're on, too. We'll, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But okay. um, did, Ryan, what do you what do you think about? I miss Liam. Um, 
Like, I, you know, I didn't okay. miss him at all. It sounds to me, well, I Liam's got that sneer, that kind of like snotty attitude that comes through. And I think that that works on, I mean. This sounds to me like an Oasis record without Oasis' singer. I didn't I, get that. I didn't get it at all. I didn't get uh, that. It didn't sound like Oasis to me at all. It, it did to me. But, oh, but there, not, are, there are parts where, I mean, parts where it definitely. The first song sounds the, the part, like. It sounds like Wonderwall. Yeah. I mean, it's the same strum, right. But, I mean, once you get past that, like I was rolling my eyes. I mean, um, I, I, I love this album. I think it's one of the best things I've heard all year. I think it's year. a really good record that I'm not going to be able to enjoy as much because I've heard because this particular you, artist do better things. I, I mean, this is the best thing that I've heard them, that I've heard, like, collection of songs. I didn't hear the first High Flying Birds I, yeah, I don't album, know but, I mean, this is, like, the best collection of songs, in my opinion, that he's put out since What's the Story, Morning Glory, that I've heard. Um, those last, I mean, there's a, there's a few high points in those last couple of Oasis records, but, I mean, for the most part, like, those, you know, there's not, like, I think I heard something about... Like, I th- what was it, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants? Like, somebody th- read me a quote one time, and Noel Gallagher said that, or, or the producer said that that album went, I think it was the producer said that album went down the drain with an eight ball of Coke. Um, there's a lot of hubris involved sure. during that period of time. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like, um, because, I mean, face it, like, the motherfucker can still write melodies no, and choruses. No, I, I think it's a genuinely there's good record. There's not a bad song on this record. The, the only other beef I have with it um, is that compared to... I mean, I have to compare it to Oasis because I know their early stuff pretty well, and it's the same songwriter. Um, the production's a little cleaner than I would like. Um, well, that's one of the big things about this record was that this is the first one that he actually produced himself. So there is, there is, it kind of mutes the effect. I thought I think. that it, it sounds. Yeah, re- there's a lot of compression going on. I definitely thought that at first, but the more that I, did you listen well, to it I, with I, headphones? No, I listened to it uh, in the car and on my computer and a little bit on my phone. Well, when I listen about one one and a half times. The first so. time I listened to it, I didn't listen to it on headphones, and I thought the same thing. But when I put headphones in and listened to it, it all made sense. Like it sounds great that way. So I would recommend if anybody goes and, and listens to this album, like listen to it once through on headphones. There a lot. There's a lot of subtle stuff that comes through, I and suspect, it doesn't sound as compressed. I suspect if I had to only listen to this for. Two weeks. I had no other options of things to listen to. I'd probably really like it. Um, I would agree I, that sonically, I think it it really comes aco- across great. But I think you kind of nailed it with your comment about rolling your eyes. Like I think that the lyrical content on this, to me, what it, it's like he just had a giant wheel well, that he spun with cliches lyric, right? well, on it, and it was just he just strung these nonsensical things it, together that that's just, been his entire it, career it has and well, i want to talk about this in, <laughs> in a few minutes uh if you could, if you ryan if you could guess i love this album um it's not it's not reinventing the I've wheel never, it's I've not never groundbreaking cared about, like oasis's lyrics right but like, i'm just saying i just want to establish that before i say like i really really enjoyed listening to this and i will definitely listen to it many more times but if you could knowing me what would you think that the two things on this on this let's say uh, if you're going to ask me about lyrical content, well, I, there's I one. Didn't, I there's didn't one. download any of that onto my there, own personal. No, 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 no. Drive. I mean, if you, I mean, there's one. We've already talked about it. There's one other thing, and that I fucking hate, and it's on multiple songs on this album, and that is that there's fucking saxophone in the middle of the oh, songs. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so. Does it make it you feel like it's like you like out an of 80s it. cop drama? 
Like, kind of, yeah. Like, there's a guy, like, wailing on the sax, wearing, like, like Blues Brothers shades. Like, he's sweating. He's standing on a balcony in New York, and it's the summer, and he's in silhouette, you know, like, with the saxophone up in the air. It makes him deep, Shane. I guess. Well, I I do think that it's kind of interesting that, you know, I mean, one of the things that kind of gets bandied about with regard to this record is the fact that there is a little bit of a different musical approach than he's taken in the past. There's some Mellotron that makes an appearance that is not typically part of his wheelhouse. And so it's the impression that I got and the impression of, of some of the other people who have written about this for major publications seems to be that he's trying, like, he's a, it's a little bit a mellower version of him, but it's also potentially more expansive. I, I just, don't know. I like, just think the, the choruses are great. I mean, I think the songs are great. Like, I, I, like, I don't... I guess I'm just not the kind of person that compares, you know, like, I don't even like comparing albums by the same band, you know, typically, like, if I like one more than the other, I think that, like, I just like to go in personally and com- just let the songs I, I live wish, or die I wish that. I could do that. Yeah, um, I mean, we, you've but, always been that way, but I, I yeah, mean, I'm more that way. I, I mean, I can't. Well, and I will say that I think choruses have always been his strong suit. Like, they're always... that Boy... Seriously, that so guy he, makes he can write a melody. He can write a chorus for sure. Yeah. He, they, those choruses, I mean, again, I, I, there's not a bad song on this record. Um, I mean, the, I think the, the the worst song on the record actually is the last one, the one that fucking Johnny Marr plays on. Like personally, that's what I think. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like other than that, there, I like even that one is is okay. Like I really like the record personally. But you know what we should do is let's do a song. Yeah, let's we let's let's um, because it's a little bit of a pastiche of some of his references, and I think frankly, like a good example of how he uh, some people would say borrow, some people would say incorporate, some people might say something else. Homage, uh, homage, pays homage to to folks that influence him. Uh, let's start with Riverman. snippet from the Rolling Stone review of this record. Uh, one of the things that they mentioned about that that song in particular, Riverman, is that uh, is that it's sort of it's almost a game of spot the reference uh, or spot the precedent. They say a Nick Drake like title, lyric drops of George Harrison, which is actually like it starts with the lines from something, uh, and then there's a little there are little snippets of Dylan in there as well. Wasn't Wonderwall a, a George Harrison? Reference. It, it it is a yeah. That's a yes. That is. So, You're correct. Yeah. Well, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. Like the. Fir- I was I literally thought that I had, I was washing dishes and I and I had my back turned to the computer. And I literally thought for the first like four or five seconds I was like, oh shit, I accidentally put it on fucking what's story morning glory. 
and then like he then the rest of the music comes in and you're like oh this isn't wonderwall and then it becomes a and then it becomes a pretty good in my opinion it becomes a, a pretty damn good song it's sure. a crazy good chorus and then for no fucking reason there's saxophone all over it i know yeah. and what is the point that's your of that? that's yeah, your that's like somebody came over and peed in shane's bed yeah oh that this isn't the only damn song on the record with his <laughs> cats that could have happened uh well we're joined by uh mark's wife janet hi lovely to see you it's been a little while um janet has a story to share well and let's uh, let's yeah. let's give janet the bit let, let's we told Janet we would take better care of her than this. So, so right. essentially, uh, yeah. So, Janet actually part of the reason that um, we don't we, we, Janet has been fortunate enough to avoid this show for a little while, and uh, and tonight we wanted to make sure that we brought her in because she actually had a run in with Oasis, like kind of at the height of their ascent, right? Like as these guys twenty years ago, as these guys were just blowing up. Yeah, unfortunately, it was twenty. Two years ago. Yes, if you can't tell, <laughs> Janet is Northern Ireland. Janet's originally from I'm Belfast. From Belfast, yes. Yeah, and so, and so you were in. Were you in Dallas at the time when you I was ran at into the, guys, the University of North Texas in Denton, and I met a girl there who was from Warrington, in England, and Stone Roses were from there. And she was a huge fan, and she found out about this band called Oasis, and I really hadn't heard much about them in my time in the UK. So anyway, she introduced me to them and found out they were playing in Deep Ellum in Dallas. And well, this we been around like their first record, definitely, maybe? Yes. Or, yeah, okay. Right, well, right at the start. We went and saw them. The we did. We'll first talk about that okay. later. We'll get back to that. So we all, well, not we all, she rented a car and we drove to Dallas and we went to see them and Deep Blue Something were opening. You get the feeling if those guys got together <laughs> now. You're still oh, I know. Here's the one song that we had that, that made us some money and then Oasis would go like, well, here are all of the songs that we had that yeah. gave us some money. I, and then I, they just hit them at, a, or at each other. I'll, I just I got to imagine the Gallagher brothers hated that band. <laughs> yeah, so yeah much. I, they, they pretty much did. Um, when they, so anyway, so we're, we're there, and the, the Stone Roses guy, roadie guy, was like, you know, sucking up to my hot uh, Warrington friend. And we got invited backstage. But What yeah. happened then? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> up in the backstage. <laughs> it's all a blur. I know your husband's here, but I know I'm just going to say my husband is here. Yeah. Well, so, you don't have to give us the you don't have to get <laughs> get super specific, but generally speaking, you met the band in PG terms. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, I was Now we're PG. Really excited. So anyway, I'm I'm pretty ballsy. We got into, you know, the Gallagher brothers shit you know they fight with each other and they're legendarily known for that yeah and that's not um not an on truth it's the truth this part uh, of the story i didn't know until tonight that the gallagher brothers fight no no i i knew that the gallagher <laughs> that obviously obviously that part that i knew <laughs> this this particular part of this night i did not know that's not a part well, of the market she, she did say earlier that things started flying around <laughs> 
so anyway, we're in this room, and you know, there's a bunch of hot guys walking around, and some hot girls, including me. Um, so, <laughs> if you don't mind saying so yourself. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, we're, like, sitting on a couch, as you do. As one does, backstage, yeah. You know, there's beer and stuff. And so, just, like, chat. And next minute I knew, I'm like, oh, Liam, hey. And he said something unintelligible. (laughs) (laughs) You you can't understand a word that motherfucker (laughs) says, man. I didn't even know. I didn't care. You think I care what he said? It's true. Come on. That's true. (laughs) Liam Gallagher. He's like the Brad Pitt character in any Guy Ritchie film. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't think for the listeners we actually pointed out the fact that that um, you had an interchange with Liam Gallagher, not just him sitting next to you. You actually. I know. I snogged him. You yeah. snogged. Yeah. Yeah. That's the British term. For yeah. It. That's just and making it British making out, right? Shaking well, hands. And, you know. So, so some of the polite. things that were flying around the room were tongues. And, and one then, of them ended up in your mouth. And the bottom line is that... <laughs> you're, you're such a fucking romantic. <laughs> Mark is smiling broadly right now. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But I do also have to like move forward. So that happens in Dallas and the whole Stone Roses connection, who I absolutely love that band, too. I don't know if you do also, but they have... Ian Brown is like also someone that was there that night. And he then, was? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's pretty cool. And just I'm a out. huge Stone Roses fan. Yeah, they're yeah, great. Are we doing the Stone Roses? That's was Because Warrington, so my friend Karen is from Warrington. And so the whole reason why the connection was made to go backstage was because of the Stone Roses. Right. Because Ian Brown was there and the roadie who had gone through all of the stuff with the Stone Roses was there and that's how my friend Karen got us backstage. So that's not a point that... Were any of the in Spiral Carpets there? Because I understand that they... <laughs> that's the other roadie connection because Noel Gallagher I know. roadied for them. Yeah, that was it. That's his whole thing. And I just can't imagine like what a curmudgeon of a roadie he would have been. Like, oh, yeah. Don't you know? That's like, the, You want me to do what? Yeah. That's, gr- that's great, by the way. Why don't you do more accents? Like that was... Uh, spot. It's again. just you have a hidden genius for it. Yes. Thanks. Hidden yeah. and genius. Yeah, yeah, very hidden. I I don't (laughs) practice, and it only comes out every now and then, and it's never on purpose. Yeah, it definitely doesn't show that you don't practice. I'll just... Well, Janet, thanks for for joining us. This is is really fun, and um, provides us an insight into, um, well, certainly into Mark. That uh, <laughs> hey Janet, we're we're going to be like, doing a Stone Roses record actually next week. If you want to come back in and, and tell us a Stone Roses story. All right, all right, all right, kids. Let's <laughs> all right, back thanks, in. Janet. Thank you, Janet. That's my beautiful wife, Janet. Thank yeah, you. that that was really cool and lovely uh, woman, and, and great of her to, to feel so free with you that she could <laughs> share to, uh, to her offer premarital this. exploits with. Uh, okay, no, I, I'm I'm proud of her all around. Yeah. <laughs> So no, she's she's great, and uh, and it, it made me think about one of the things that. Um, so, this a tiny segue, Pitchfork, who I often uh, savage a little bit because they get religion on records and then come back around to them. They uh, they needled this record pretty good, and um, and not everything that the reviewer said is is something that I agree with. But one thing that he brought up, I think, is like sort of worth sharing. Just in terms of kind of throw the question out to the room, he said he he uh, essentially feels that uh, 
Gallagher's lyrics are pretty guarded, like beyond simplistic, but just he he just doesn't take very many chances. Whereas if you hear him interviewed, he takes every chance. He doesn't give a shit. Like so That's so anyway. True. So let me. I'll read you what he said. He said. Reading a conversation with Noel Gallagher is one of life's great pleasures. He's quick-witted, unguarded, cheerily self-effacing. Pretty much everything that overly mannered music, uh, the over, pretty much everything that the overly mannered music he's making these days is not. His second foray with the High Flying Birds ventures further afield than his 2011 debut, but still succumbs to the same issues. Most notably, a palpable joylessness and the extra strain that puts on Gallagher's modest voice and piecemeal lyrics. So. He like lyrically, he doesn't get into him the same way. But but, do you agree? Like, well, I think for me, um, number one, saying like, you know, it's, um, what did he say? Like overly guarded music, or yeah, yeah I mean, well, and I, it's I, just I, I different. He just sort of said overly the same mannered. thing. I overly said, mannered. Yes. He's pining just like you are for Oasis. I mean, this is That's, different no, music. He just said the same thing that I said at the start of the show, like just in a different way. Like there was a certain amount of bombast to Oasis that I really enjoyed, and but this it's, is. But it's not, not a. It's not, it's not Oasis. I know it's not Oasis. I mean, and I need to get over myself. I uh, I I want to talk just for a second about Noel Gallagher's lyrics because you ask like, do do I feel the same way? Slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannon. That's one right there. That's one of the greatest nonsense lyrics. It makes absolutely no zero sense. Zero sense. Oh, here. Well, hold on. Before we get there, I think I read something today, uh, and the and the person, the reviewer said that his lyrics often just seem like a way to get I uh, get to the ne- to get to the next note. Sure. Which is what they they're a total afterthought. No, he writes, they're they're like scratch lyrics that he just kept in the song. That's what it is. I mean, that's exactly it's got. That's what it's got to be. It's like he's singing syllables. He gets the song done, and then he's in the studio, and at the last second, he's like, like "Oh shit, fuck, I got to write some lyrics." <laughs> um, I can relate to that. Well, and that's but, that's what I was saying. It's like he he pulls out the the pocket edition of the rhyming dictionary and just starts thumbing through it. Okay. Yeah, let's just talk real quick about some some classic. Uh, no, well, you just brought up one. Uh, another classic uh, Noel Gallagher lyric from that same album is um. And of course, it, 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 the first uh, three words are a reference to a Beatles song. But uh, in, in Morning Glory, when I mean, he goes like, tomorrow never knows what it doesn't know too soon. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's just... It, <laughs> it, but at least well, it, at yeah. least that's a little bit clever, or it's just weird. There's a... Li- the, my, I mean, there's so many on this, on, this, on this record that are horrible, but the most egregious... Uh, of of a of a shit, and I left my list. I've been I was writing him down, listening to it. But the the worst the worst one, the worst line on the whole album, and maybe one of the worst lines in any album ever, is, "She shot me to the sun like a bullet from a gun." The girl with the X-ray eyes. That's true. That song is the worst. I, but the music offender. is so good. I, I actually like that song. Yeah, that's um, what. But I I just tune my. The lyrical part of my brain out when I'm listening to anything that this dude is involved with. Like I just don't do it. I mean, he's gotta, he's got to be be aware of how stupid his well, goddamn and lyrics beyond, are. Beyond that, like it's a, it's a lyrically, it's almost, almost word for word, but not entirely. Like it's a meme and a theme that shows up over and over again in his stuff. Like the sun and the gun and the like, and like frankly, like he's such a compelling hook writer. 
That it's well, like you find yourself caught up in it. And, it doesn't uh, matter what and, the fuck. And, but it's cliche. But it is cliche. It, but yeah. no, no, no. But I, I want to touch on that be. just for yeah. a second. I mean, like it, it is nearly impossible for me to get past really bad lyrics. It, it, it will take. Um, I know this about you. you it, it'll take. How many shows take, have we done? Yeah, I know. But I mean, <laughs> but 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 there's something about his <laughs> melodies are so goddamn good. Oh, he writes great. I can books. totally get past it. Like it doesn't. <laughs> like he, you know, it, know what a champagne supernova in the sky is. <laughs> no, no, I. I <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My, and the champagne supernova, I, like he has, he does have one of my one of like my favorite lyrics, and that is like when he he's just asking the question like, "Where were you when we were getting high?" <laughs> hey, where were you? We were just getting high. Like, where, yeah. <laughs> where were you? Let's, I do think that we ought to play a little bit of "Ballad of the Mighty Eye," which is the uh, which is the Johnny Marr. I, I did country. like I did like but, that song. I just didn't like it as much as the rest of the. Um, well, and and the I will, music's cool. I will say this before we dive into the middle segment. I watched the video, and the video is like kind of gives me an, a different take on. I didn't fall in love with that song, but I. And we'll talk about it on the back end. But I do think that we ought to watch the video. And then after we chat about it for a minute, we'll go to the middle section. Okay, good idea. Because I'd like cool. to see, maybe they'll show, like, did any, could anybody figure out exactly where Johnny Marr was used in this song? Because Right, well, yeah. Well, Johnny Marr doesn't like to play like Johnny Marr anymore. Yeah, I know, but still. Like, it, it's, it, all that guitar is buried so far underneath. It's just, I don't well, know. Well, let's listen to it. Okay. All right, yes. here we go. Just uh, watch the video as a way to listen to that track, and uh, I one of the things, well, a few things that I thought were particularly interesting. If you get a chance to go see or, or to pull up the video uh, for that song, then please do. What was that song called? It's the uh, Ballad of Mighty Eye, and that's the one that Johnny Marr sits in on. And so you guys were kind of trying to figure out where the Johnny, uh, Johnny Marr, Marr guitar parts were. But the thing that I, what struck me about uh, the video was that it's a little, it is a tiny bit self-deprecating, and it's kind of funny. It's like the the beginning and the end. The beginning right. and the end are funny. And the, like, when yeah. the director of the video, he's like, "Oh, that was a great take, Liam." Yeah, like, yeah. yeah that, that was like, no, it's Noel. But he kind of, well, yeah, he kind of, he kind of. They they start out where he's outside of, he's like, he's making a video, and then like he's immersed in it. 
and but what's up with him like finding him like a guitar next to a dead guy? Or so something? he picks up a, a sure. dead guy's guitar. Well, yeah, the and he narrative. Does a little bit of a music interlude. And, he, and he steals a, a jean jacket from a thrift store. Well, he gives rack. away a jacket and then he steals another one. So yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know and if that's quite serious. The whole video. He's he's very it's serious. It's very man. rock star. He's in that very way. he's very. But uh, I like you know that song does a cool thing where it does the modulate it modulates keys in the verse. Um, again, like I think what irritates me about it is the way that he sings. You know the word "you" over and over again in the chorus. It's it's just it's just not. I mean, I'm used to him having really strong choruses, and that chorus just does not do it for me. Anyway, anyway, yeah, just it was quirky, and it sort of altered a little bit of my perception. Of oh, the song, so I wanted to. Share and that I with can't you. remember the line, and and, and maybe w- during a, a, our intermission, I'll find this line. But uh, he he said like uh, he used this rhyming dictionary. Thing, but it, it, but this time it actually kind of made sense. He's like something like I gave you my, I was sinking in the sand and gave you my hand or something like that. Yeah. But was it, it was like a dumb line. But but for once it wasn't like that's a nonsense actually, that, dumb no, line. That's a metaphor. That, yeah, yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. I was it's actually like impressed. I was sinking in the sand. I gave you my hand. Something like yeah. I mean it was yeah. <laughs> my ham. Yeah. Your ham. <laughs> my ham. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, Ryan, uh, you got the. I few do, minutes with this I week? I do have a few minutes with, and we're going to spend a few minutes with Aldo Nova. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in a minute with, with some discussion on Aldo Nova. So yeah, uh, coming up here very soon uh, for your listening pleasure is... Uh, I like how you said, like... Pleasure. Pleasure. For your listening your pleasure. Listening pleasure. And you may pleasure yourself while listening to it if you like. Yeah, okay. um, but it's, uh, sure it's the kind of music for that. <laughs> yeah, Aldo Nova's uh, Fantasy, which I think all four of us here in the room know, but for some no good reason, I looked up again recently on YouTube, and it's an entertaining video. Yeah, I've definitely never seen the video. To see it. <laughs> actually going to open if i had opened i would have just said you're welcome oh i knew that was coming holy shit <laughs> that was amazing that was pretty entertaining and i will say what i remember about this record or this, uh, this record this song yeah have you ever heard another aldo no song? of course not yeah what i remember about this song is that all that like helicopter and then like the like the industrial like screeching sounds in the beginning are on the actual track 
Like so. So they just synced it up in the video. They just synced it up, like the actual like kicking of the door or like whatever. Some of that like video shit like wasn't in there. But I was like, that was sort of like it, when that song came out. Of course, now you like see it with adult eyes, and you're like, okay, it's pretty stupid. But but at the time, I was like, oh, it, it was sounds marketed ominous. to like twelve year olds. It was. I was like, well, we were closer to that age then. That's true. So anyway, yeah, uh, and, but and hilarious. In the but, beginning, there there's like. That noise is going on, and there are two dudes with Uzis. And then yeah, they need guns for some reason. They're outside like a warehouse. Well, and then there's a third guy that has a guitar, and then a then a then a, and he's holding it, and he doesn't. He's not wearing it on a guitar strap. No, he's he's like holding clutching it, clutching it. He's clutching it, and then uh, then a helicopter lands, and they and the and the dudes with the guitars, and then the guy with the with are the dudes with the guns, and the guy with the guitar like like walks like Igor schlepping the guitar, and then this dude appears. From the helicopter wearing Aldenova. Aldenova wearing a solid leopard print silk suit. As one does in a battle situation. Of it, course. Yeah, it's yeah. kinda like the same material as like a kimono, except that there's like it's cut into like or a, a couch or a you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or it, it's a two piece. It's, it's a chase it's, Yeah, it's a jumper. Right. And he uh and then they and then they, they go to the doors of this warehouse and they try to bang. They can't get into the doors. They can't get in for whatever reason. So, and the guys with the guns can't do it. So what happens? Aldenova grabs the guitar from Igor and then shoots a laser beam at the door through the guitar. Through the guitar. Yeah. And um and then they go and that stuff never comes back on. Like we don't ever know. None of it's, that is referenced. It's referenced whatsoever. Again. And then there's this <laughs> then there's just a run of the mill concert video uh, in which he licks his fingers and touches the guitar strings and humps the guitar multiple times. Well within said warehouse apparently was a, a ready and willing uh, audience. audience waiting for him to get in, which he couldn't get into. Just, yeah. Why didn't they just open <laughs> the door when like the guy all, was banging on the door? Yeah, they're all trapped in a warehouse for a show that the that the the guy who was headlining couldn't get into. <laughs> yeah, they ostensibly had paid money you know yeah. and yeah. gone in through an entrance. <laughs> but the guy they were paying money to see couldn't Which get in. It's actually kind of refreshing. Maybe we should fuck the artists a little bit more. Those guys yeah. make them work for it. Yeah. So you don't yeah. see that ever. No, the artists never get uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> artists getting <laughs> fucked over. No. So so, so he plays so he play, goes and plays the song and then he starts like like glitching in and out, and as the audience tries to approach him, and then as the song ends, he's like collapsed on the floor in a darkened room, and it's spinning in a circle, and occasionally shows different shots of him prone on the floor, and good stuff. And and, and uh, it flashes repeatedly in neon. Aldenova. Like, who was this guy? Aldenova. Oh yeah. You, uh, so you you brought that to to at least my attention that I always thought that it was the band was named Aldenova. No, no. It's actually it's a dude. He's a Canadian guy, and his his real name is something very Italian that somebody in the business said like, like no, nah, but you, you can't. Here here's the other thing, you guys. Like, it's a it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Life. That's it's true. Fantasy. So maybe it's just his see? mind. Yeah. So, somebody see? needs to. God. Good That's God. Right. Like someone needs to make a documentary where they go back and interview guys that were like the kings of video directors in the eighties, and like we could see all these old videos. And they, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm not the man for this, but if you're somebody's just putting listening, that out there. I'm just putting that out in the world. I, I just want to sure. point this out to Shane real quick, and I know I'm kind of doing this on the fly, but start with in 1990. And oh. In 1990, Aldo Nova wrote the main guitar riff that would be used in the bon- John Bon Jovi song "Blaze of Glory." Yeah, so he's got that going for him. Uh, the other, the other residuals. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so you know, he's not a, a one-hit nothing. And in, to that end, um, so I mentioned it. I, I, Wait, is that a thing? A one-hit nothing? I, like, is is that like a is that the phrase? 
one hit. It's one hit wonder. Yes, but yeah. a one hit nothing is pretty good. Anyhow, no, I, and I know that I mentioned um, to you guys in the wider audience that I had a brief run-in with the law where I had to spend a little time in the Huskow. There was a guy when I had to spend that brief period in jail, which was a couple weeks, um, who had an Aldenova tattoo on his <laughs> on his back. I mean, this well, the, was it just the name Aldenova? It just said Aldenova, like 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 uh, spelled out like a you know like a logo. And I was like, dude, like did you like logo? get that when you were drunk and like immediately regret it the next day? And he goes, I swear to God, he goes, no man, Nova rules. <laughs> I actually genuinely like this song. I mean, it, it's stupid as hell, and the no, lyrics are retarded. No, you and I are on the, on the same page. It's like yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a guilty adolescent pleasure. Like, yeah, you like, both need to go trade your cars in for cherry red nineteen eighty two Corvettes or Camaros. Yeah. Yes, because of one shitty song that we like. Oh, yeah. no, this, no, this comes up on a regular basis. There, there have been I, other I recognize. Ones. Well, no, we grew up in the same place, and in the burbs, you yeah. were issued like certain things that. Like, I go back and I listen to Journey now, and, like, there are certain Journey songs that I think are genuinely good songs. What? Why? What is wrong with Yeah, why are we going we get, there? We, yeah, that's a, that's a rabbit hole what? conversation for another week. But suffice it to say that uh, you ever ultimately to... we all arrived here. So there's something to be said. To me, it's, to me well, that and, well, to me, and I will, we'll move on from this, but you, to me it's the, it's the piano part. That like kind of creates a little bit of tension in this, and maybe I'm just a sucker for that because it goes back to the LCD sound system conversation uh, back in the day, which I wasn't um, a part the of. Tinkling, so the yeah. tinkling stuff, yeah, yep, yeah. Hey, before we get out of this, um, I, I just want to say one thing, and I just want to just allude back to Journey for a second. I shouldn't tell you this, but you, if you ever like want to get revenge on me for John Bon Jovi or subsequent things, I'm so gonna pick a Journey record. Oh no, that'll pick be that's happening. Record. Yeah, yeah, that will happen. Yeah. Uh, well, see, but I'm fine with that shit because you guys know I have to listen to that stuff anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So anyway, all right. That was Aldo Nova, the dude. Oh, uh, and so now we're gonna go back in and talk about Noel Gallagher, the dude. True or false, guys. Uh, one of the things that they note in this in this pitchfork piece that I referenced earlier about uh, Noel Gallagher, it says that itemizing the song quotes in a Noel Gallagher song is a bit like counting all the f bombs in a Tarantino flick—a futile exi- exercise in duh. Like there are going to be a lot of them. Do you do we agree that that's true? I agree. Yeah, we'll go that. ahead and say true on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I've always thought that. I, I think that there are more f bombs though. Than bad lyrics? Well, no, no, more re- more f bombs than references. References are harder to do than than f bombs. What we haven't brought up is Shane. You've met this gentleman, haven't you? I have. Well, briefly. Um, um, Shane was in a band called Cling, and yes, in Austin, in the back in the day, back in the day, and um, we opened. They did an eight date tour. Well, I mean, this I mean this will exactly set when it was. They did an eight day tour, and the Austin date was the last night of the tour and it was either the day it was either the day of it was within the week that Wonderwall hit number one in the United States and they were technically the biggest and, band in the world and they were still playing smaller venues though they were playing 
Bit, well, Ryan, that was you part of I, their U.S. strategy. You though, called right? me. I wasn't in Indiana no, no, at the time. No, 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 no. But the year before, we, we had seen them at we, Liberty Lunch. We saw them at Liberty Lunch, which was a smaller venue. But it, we paid six fucking dollars to go see them. I don't was know, that how much we paid? Six it was dollars. me and Brandon, wasn't it? I think it was Brandon. Yeah. We have we have one friend who's a dedicated Oasis. Oh yeah, fan. he'll definitely be listening to the show, and he'll he'll he's gonna castigate you about uh, not loving this record. Not really. He won't castigate. Uh, no, but he's one of those people who's gonna love everything that Noel Gallagher does. That I'm is sure. true. That is true. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm not saying he's wrong right i mean yeah i mean it's not like you know it's not like you hated the record i mean you, 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 but how, how many people were at that show at liberty lunch like maybe 150 maybe no it was more than that i mean definitely it, or I'll, maybe I'll, oh jesus kevin it was on that <laughs> hey. tour it was on the definitely maybe <laughs> tour yeah um, i mean it was half full yeah, it was not a full house. No, it, and I mean, he did, and Liam did pull the whole um, like pick a girl out from the crowd thing and have his henchman pull her backstage. Was that my wife? Per- <laughs> it it might have been, man. <laughs> it was on the same tour, <laughs> henchman. Yeah. But so, yeah, you uh, so cling. So yeah, yeah. That we, on the next tour, we opened on we opened for them, which was a really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of I could. It was a, it was a really. It I was bet they day. liked you better than Deep Blue Something. I'll oh, be, I know they do. I've heard yeah. both, I, I, and yeah, that would be correct. I'd have yes, I, 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 yes, that 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 was a true thing. Um, so <laughs> Liam, Liam's walking around uh, during sound check and stuff, bumming cigarettes from people, and he's wearing Facts. a shirt. What? Yes. Facts. Yes, he's got like the, the number one. Record in the world, in the, the and, yeah, and like literally, bumming fags and, he, off and he's bumming yeah. cigarettes for people, and he's got salt crystals underneath his armpits. He's been in the, and he smelled like ass. He's been in the same shirt for days, and so after the show, like he's he's crouched. Oh, he, and he crouches down a lot. It's kind of like, it's hard to explain, but he it cr- sort of seems like an onstage thing too. Like, right? yeah, he, yeah, he, cr- yeah, he crouches all the time, and so he was off to the side of the stage, crouching down and watching our whole set, and he's like, man, it was fucking great. And uh, Fukin, yeah, Fukin, and then uh, so they invited us backstage, and I and I hung out. He, he actually was great. I had so much fun with him. He's like, you know, come. On. I'm not going to try to do another Mancunian accent. He's like, come over here. Would you like a beer? Did you nice. tell me you you understood about every third word? Yeah, or I couldn't understand a fucking word he was saying. So later uh, in that night, uh, it was the last night of tour, and and they decide, uh, and so like there was lots of cocaine involved. I, none of my Bandmates knew there was. I actually walked in on the cocaine room. Basically, that's how I knew, knew that that was going on. And um, I am shocked that that shit went down. I know, I know. So, uh, so they ended up trekking in extra beer so everybody could stay there and just at, and didn't have to go to a, a party somewhere else. And uh, we were all upstairs, and, and this venue has like an overlook balcony. And I'm hanging out with the rest of the band. We're just having a it's just really fun. And the guy, uh, most of the band were really like blue collar guys, just salt of the earth, like. Just having a good time, you know. And I'm fucking like 21 years old, like having the time of my life. And I see Noel sitting off by himself in a chair, facing the stage. I mean, with a bodyguard right there. And uh, so I have to. You have to go downstairs to pee. And I go downstairs to pee, and I come back up, and I say, I was like, um, "Hey, I'm trying to open up." He's like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hey." Uh, I really like that you played Castle in the Shadow. I, I love that song. And he he looks straight ahead at the stage. He goes. Yeah, it's a good fucking song, isn't it? In it, and that—that that was it. That was yeah. that was our whole. That, but it was just like, yeah. It's, oh no, he said, yeah, it's a great fucking song, isn't it? 
and then like turned away, and then that was my cue to leave. But <laughs> you know, like oh, and he was just like there were lots of there was lots of sniffing like, and rubbing he's like of the, the nostrils. Prince of yeah. Oasis, I guess. Yeah, like uh, like you don't look at him in the eye. Well, <laughs> but that's why it's so funny that I you know I was saying I read that AV Club article, um, you know, and th- th- like he, he's he's really downshifted. Uh, Sounds in like his it. in his. Well, I mean, you got to understand, like, I mean, what crazy adulation that band got in the UK, and you know, to this day, um, and uh, that it's got to fuck with your head, number one. But also, as you get older, you're like, oh, this isn't gonna go away, you know. Let's go. Uh, let's listen to one. When you want to hear one more yeah, song? So, um, so yeah. So, so what has been bandied about is the most Oasis sounding song on this record, which I think is kind of a hilarious thing to say about a Noel Gallagher record is uh, the song The Right Stuff. Um, So, yeah, let's give that a whirl, and then we'll talk a little bit on the other side. I wanted to mention about the the about this album is the is the song titles because they sound like they belong on a metal album. Some of them do. <laughs> the dying of the light, the right stuff. Oh my God, it's Dio. Well, the song remains the same. Uh, lock all the do- doors. Do the damage. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's it's just. Does that mean that Noel Gallagher is secretly like uh, four foot three? Possibly so. Yeah. 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 Oh, and then here's here's uh, the Mexican. Oh, that's just yeah. Anyway, that one's got cowbell in it, and we did not pick that tonight. You know what? That's I, probably I, my least favorite song on this album. Uh, yeah, I didn't love it either. Yeah, but yeah, but I, honestly, but I did think that I was like, Freaky oh, well, there, there's some fucking cowbell. That like, that song that we just listened to, um, the right stuff. I uh, I think that's wasn't a, that a New Kids on the Block cover? <laughs> it was. Not. <laughs> it is actually. Just, yeah. <laughs> that's why it sounded familiar to me. Yeah. I uh, it it sounded. Like the Stone Roses to me, but that just goes. No, it does sound like Stone Roses. It just goes a long way in and in, uh, and in, and in introducing, really introducing Noel Gallagher's genius. Um, well, yeah. I think I think we can agree that like the guy seems reasonably comfortable in his own skin. He's reasonably comfortable in putting fucking uh, superfluous sax all over this fucking yeah, record. The, what I will say about uh, to, to Shane's point, when the sax bubbled up in the in the middle of that song. Shane was like, oh, oh, oh now Christ. it's the sex. Uh, well, no, I think like you the, texted me at like four in the morning, like a week and a half ago, going like, ugh, sex and uh, what is that in excess <laughs> song? That no, it wasn't four in the morning. It was like eight o'clock. I was well, might have been. I, I wasn't able it to. Brian doesn't make any distinction between. That's four true. And that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was I was on my way to meet somebody, and the song was on the radio, and, and I was like, oh, never God, tear us never apart. Never tear us apart. There's that, and I was just like, all right, dude. So, meanwhile, that was like Kevin and his high school girlfriend's song. 
What? It's a good song, what, and then what, and then what? it dies uh, with the goddamn excess. saxophone. Well, and we see where that got us. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, <laughs> listening to like uh, in excess on the cassette in the Audi. So I, I just uh, want to see. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just want to tell you guys real quick before we get out of this. Thanks while we're right. talking about the sax, uh, next week um, I have the intermission, and um, I wanted to do it tonight because I because I thought I had I thought I had a few minutes with, but there is one song that I've heard, and it's very recent. That I'm cool with the sax solo in it, and it's a, it's not a jazz song. It's like a, I won't say it's a rock song, but um, wait, is that we're gonna listen to? We're gonna listen next week to a song that okay. has a saxophone in it that you don't hate. That not just don't hate that I I think is amazing. Are you a Charlie Parker fan? Yeah, but jazz is different than rock and roll, dude. I mean, I fucking have said this like. A hundred times. We well, don't like, have the seven hours it's going to take for you guys to talk about jazz. Together. I, I I love Charlie Parker. Well, I love. I, I only need seven seconds. I think that shit bores the uh, shit. Out of me. I know. Yeah, I know. You hate it. I love it. But I mean, again, yeah. I'm with Shane on this one. Pick a Journey fan. I'll come back with a goddamn Charlie anyway, Parker. We're so going to listen to Journey. Finish your at some finish point. your thought. Anything else? Oh no no that was it. That, so okay so um, next up current affair and we're going to listen to a song uh, by Kate Tempest. Card, 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 card affair. I sent. That's what I sent to you. <laughs> I didn't see the peaches. Uh, oh no! Like uh, in no, the, you in sent the, me a nonsensical uh, text. No, but but that's because your phone took out everything. I'm so glad it did. All the you, verbs. You, well, okay. all the verbs. So I specifically picked. Well, you can read it in a minute. Just let me say, like, yeah. it, it took out. It can your, his phone. I sent him a late night text about this. I thought you were just drunk. No, it it took a bunch of old texts and then compressed out everything I wrote about. Uh, her and then put some other text in there, and the only thing I actually really sent in there was from Nee Barnett. Depressing Nee. No, but I didn't. <laughs> pre- that was about somebody else. Anyway, so um, the reason that I I've been think I, I wanted to put her on tonight is because we've been talking. She's British, and we've been talking all night about how Noel, Noel Gallagher's <laughs> lyrics are, yeah. and this her lyrics are not bad. No, but no, she, they're good. I mean, I've only heard this song once, a, and I'm I want to hear more. Yeah, she's a poet. I mean, she well, she is a poet. Yeah, yeah. she literally came through the slam through through yeah poetry slams. Right. There's something about that song. The first time I heard it, um, I just heard the third verse, and I was like, God damn, this is because I had heard her before. I heard some 
uh, some live stuff, and I, I didn't really like it, but in the con- in that context, I did. And then um, uh, the more the more I listened to it, because it's got kind of almost an electro clash thing going on with mm-hmm. the keyboards. A bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, it gets it just gets in your head like an earworm. That chorus that's not really a chorus, but it is. It, 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 this is once that's it gets what I've in always there. said. If the lyrics are really good or really bad, I'll notice them. And these seem to be really good. And I've only heard this song once. And so. that's why I wanted to pick this song tonight because. This is great. This is this is a snippet from the NPR take on her South by performance. Uh, this guy says, uh, uh, "Of all the artists I saw at South by Southwest this year, Tempest was one I'll never forget. The London hip hop artist, playwright, and poet speaks with a clarity and honesty, unencumbered by code or lingo, with uh, stories that cut to the very heart of how we try to survive and embrace our time on Earth." Which sounds cliche, but anyway, he says. She jumps straight into the line with a spoken word story of a soldier that looks at both the bravery and horror of conflict. Essentially, where this guy nets out on his review of her South by Southwest performance was that he took her work back to NPR and they all started crying. Like, that was essentially the gist of it. It's intense, man. It's a big deal. I was like... Either the people at NPR are the most sensitive people on earth, or they're jaded, and this is, you know, just well, kind of gets you where you are. But, well, there's a, there's like, a, and there's some lines in that song that I mean that's like give you chills, kind of stuff. Like, you know, like what is the one like? Do you want a job in retail? Oh, you you have a degree? Like just little like snippets that are just like it is a little like there, Austin, Austin there is circa some, 1991 but there is sounds like Austin sounds like <laughs> anywhere circa now. There is some Courtney Barnett in there. There is like, Courtney Barnett for sure. Right like, yeah. It's not as it is not as funny as Courtney Barnett, but it is every but it's but it's interesting like yep. Courtney Barnett is. Well, the, and the 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 accent, the South London, the the accent kind of makes it humorous, kinda, and it and it you know it it immediately drew me to to look up Lily Allen. I was going to say the from, streets. You know, she's from the same area, essentially. Uh, you know that South London kind of neighborhood. We should cover a streets record one of these days, but we don't want to get. Bogged down in, in doing only English records, although although next, next week. weekend. But we've been talking about doing this for as long as we've been doing this podcast, and somebody sent us a request. Uh, what is this gentleman's name? Nicholas Collier um, suggested we cover the Stone Roses' second record, uh, Second Coming. Second Coming, which is the most pompous fucking name for a record. <laughs> which is, I, I've got a, I, as a Stone Roses but fan. But the, the, the few songs I've heard from it, which are maybe three, I really like. I, did, uh, I, I, I remember the single, but I didn't listen to the album. I mean, I'm Spreads, sure I heard it. I think, uh, was the single. Yeah, it, it just, it, there's something that's so pompous about it. And Well, yeah, it's right there in the title. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, one last thing on Kate Tempest. Her South by set that this whole like sort of glowing effusive review that was written on, three songs like the whole thing was three songs long. Two of them were remixes. So wow. like, like anyway, at the very she's least, she's good. Yeah, she's good. Um, but that sounds great. Yeah, we should totally yeah, do the Stone, Stone Roses. Roses second coming uh, next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Our friend who traveled very far uh, away to go see them when they reformed. This is actually his preferred Stone Roses record. Um, it sounds is he, is he better. Gonna, is he going to sit? We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll ask him. Okay. Uh, we'll see if Chad can come in. And if he can't, then no problem. But uh, anyway, fellas, I think we have reached the end. Our only friend? Yes, my only friend. 
Good to end. We should listen to it. Doors. No, right. let's not do that. we'll get really deep. Uh, I, oh, I'm, see I'm what? Doors. See now, father, what? I want to kill you, mother. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna. I go. think that's all the doors we ever need to do right there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this week, I'm Kevin. I'm this week still Ryan. <laughs> uh, th- this week and next week, probably I'll still be Shane. And I'm Mark. Somebody likes it. <laughs>